0: morning. So my name is Kevin Boyle. I'm the student ministry pastor here at Great Oaks. How are you this morning? Good. So uh, normally uh, when the youth pastor gets up and speaks, that's a holiday weekend. And so that's the case uh, today. Uh, you know, they save the best for the, the big crowds. Um, so here I am. But uh, no, um, I am excited to continue our series on worship. And if you're, if you're new with us or just uh, haven't been with us for a while, um, two weeks ago, Pastor Chase started our series talking about worshiping through study or worshiping through God's word. And so I encourage you to check that out. And then Pastor Nate, who was just up here, who we prayed for, he talked about worshiping through uh, song and praise and how our hearts posture towards God. And this morning, I get to, I actually asked for this, this uh, topic of worshiping through prayer. And uh, part of the reason is uh, several years ago, I was challenged by a missionary, uh, to really evaluate my prayer life. And uh, a lot of times in student ministry, we use prayer as kind of a transition, or if like kids are getting rowdy, right, we're kind of like, okay, hold up, let's just kind of come in and pray real quick, let's, let's settle you down. Um, not necessarily the healthiest <laughs> use of prayer or modeling. Um, but sometimes you just gotta survive. No, I'm kidding. Um, but he really challenged me, and it sent me on a journey to really dig deeper into what is prayer, Um, And how that really has changed and shaped um, my life and and my spiritual walk. And and prayer is a complex topic, and it brings up lots of questions, right? Simply, what is prayer, right? Some people might be, what what even is it? We talk about, like, hey, have you said your prayers today? You know, how's your prayer life? Even what is it? What's the point? What's the purpose? If God already knows everything, if he already knows my heart, my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions... What's even the point of praying? You know, if he already knows the outcome, can, can, God, can we change God's mind? Can we change the outcome? Maybe some of you out here today have been hurt by words of saying, well, you just didn't pray enough, right? Or maybe, you've. what do we do with unanswered prayer, right? There's some hard questions when it comes with, with prayer and even some baggage sometimes. And um, this morning, I'm going to address about one and a half of those questions, uh, we're going to answer the question, what is prayer? And then specifically, I'm going to focus on how does prayer change us? And so um, when it comes to prayer, there's, there's several different types of prayer. And, uh, and so kind of answering the first question, what is prayer? Prayer is simply most basic definition. Prayer is simply communication with God. Prayer is simply communication with God. And so throughout Scripture, we see different ways, that, uh, different kinds of prayer. And so we see adoration, um, and that's just simply praising God, right? Lifting up the name of God, praising Him for who He is. Uh, we see this in Scripture through Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel. Um, we have confession, simply uh, confessing what we did wrong, right? Saying that we've, we've messed up. We, uh, Jonah, if you're familiar with Jonah, right? one ticket to not to Nineveh, please, right? That's a VeggieTales reference for those of you. Um, where he was a prophet of God, and he was told to go to Nineveh, and he ended up going the other way. And so we have this prayer in Jonah 2, where basically he's confessing to God that he got messed up in the belly of a fish, right? And so he's praying, confessing he messed up. And then we have also uh, Thanksgiving, hopefully you're not just giving thanks one Thursday out of the year, right? Hopefully you're giving thanks throughout your day. You're giving thanks for what God has given you. And we see this um, through Mary's prayer in Luke 1, where she's thanking God. And then we also have supplication, or uh, other people may call this uh, a petition, right, where we're praying for ourself. And And a lot of times I'm a student pastor, right, and so students are like, God, please give me an A on this test that I definitely did not study for and do not deserve, right? And we think of that as kind of the selfish prayer, but there's lots of reasons to be praying for yourself, right, of God, help me, give me wisdom to lead my family well or help me in this situation, help me to get through this, right? There's plenty of reasons why we might pray for ourselves that necessarily isn't a selfish reason. And uh, we see this in uh, Psalm 31 with David, asking for help, pleading for help, and and believe it or not, Psalms are mostly written by David, not all, all of them, but these are prayers of David to God, and we see all kinds of emotions, and we see lots of these different ones, and even anger, right? If you want to, for some of you, if if you haven't actually looked at imprecatory Psalms, you may see some colorful language coming out of David, right, where he is praying to God. He's angry at and in his situation, um, but he's praying, and, and so in that, helping him, and then the last is, is intercession, and for some of you, uh, when you think of prayer, maybe you think of the movie War Room, right, and, and at the end of that movie is this example of intercessory prayer, right, raise them up, Lord, raise them up, and as my wife says, that at the end of that movie, a thousand demons died, um, in that, like, just an amazing prayer of praying for other people, right? And we see that um, through Hezekiah's prayer. And if you don't know who Hezekiah is, Hezekiah was a king of Judah, and he was surrounded by the Assyrian army who had already laid waste to the northern kingdom. And And he's surrounded, and he prays, and he just simply says, God, deliver us from the Assyrians, from the hands of the Assyrians, right? He's praying for the nation of Israel. And then we have the Lord's Prayer, Right, which encompasses all of these uh, aspects of prayer. Right, and the disciples simply come to Jesus and they say, "Teach us to pray." And and we have the Lord's prayer written down. And so that's an amazing thing to kind of study and to look into, uh, if you haven't already. And I think Pastor Dan did a series or a sermon on that uh, last year that you can check out. Um, but when it comes to prayer, Billy Graham ha- says this about prayer. He says this. Prayer is spiritual communication between man and God, a two-way relationship in which man should not only talk to God, but also listen to him. Prayer to God is like a child's conversation with his father. It is natural for a child to ask his father for the things he needs. And I love Billy Graham because he's able to take a complex spiritual truth like prayer and just really put it in language that we can understand, right? A conversation with his father or his parent, and that resonates with me. I have three kids, uh, Kirby, who's eight, Millie, who's seven, and uh, Emmeline, who's four. She keeps son her toes, but she, she's plugging along. Um, and so just a child's conversation. I think of uh, different ways that my kids have asked for things, and, and specifically my son, Kirby, who's really into dinosaurs, and so... I remember him asking for a fossil of this guy, right? And so for those of you who aren't up on maybe your Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, that is the Indominus rex, uh, which is a hybrid of the Tyrannosaurus rex and the Velociraptor. Uh, Everybody knows that the weakness of the Tyrannosaurus rex is the itty-bitty arms, right? Without the itty-bitty arms, the Tyrannosaurus rex would have, like, devoured the entire world. But... So in Jurassic World, they've decided, let's take DNA from the the T-Rex and the Velociraptor because the raptors are able to grab things, and then, hey, let's just throw in the ability to camouflage itself and see what happens, right? That's the Indominus rex. Needless to say, that dinosaur doesn't exist, didn't exist, right? And so he's asking for a fossil of something that never existed, right? And so we kind of laugh about that. And then I think about my, my daughter when she was three, and she came to my wife and the lenses of her sunglasses have popped out. And she goes up to my wife and she says, Mom, 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 right? Getting her attention. And then my wife's finally like, What do you, what? And she's, I need batteries. Bat- batteries for what? I need batteries in my sunglasses. What? No, the batteries in my sunglasses need to be changed out. They're not working, right? Because like 95% of the problems of a three year old are batteries need to be changed out in the toys, <laughs> right? And like this idea of like a three-year-old thinking, oh, that, that'll fix it, right? That's what I need. I need batteries. Or for those of you who are parents of teens, right? I work with teens. Um, sometimes as a parent or an adult, you just want to look at, your, at teenagers and just be like, you just need to listen, right? Honey, listen, listen, honey. Honey, honey, listen. Um, and then you take on the fact that Teens uh, don't have a fully developed frontal cortex, uh, underdeveloped, I should say. And so they have this heightened uh, feeling of invincibility. And, and so it might send them like running, flying down a giant hill on a rickety old oversized skateboard, for example, not to be too specific. Um, or maybe you see it where they are starting to hang out with the wrong crowd, right? And you just want to say, you just need to listen right? Because we know better. We know better. We know that that's going to not lead you to a place you want to be. And so when it comes to prayer, oftentimes I want to focus on an area that we don't focus a whole lot about, and that is listening. Oftentimes when it comes to prayer, we're focusing on what do we say? What are we saying to God, right? And so if prayer is communication, then obviously part of that communication should be listening to God. And I would actually even say that if you aren't listening more often than you're speaking, you're missing the point. You're out of whack with what prayer is designed to be. And so there's, there's reasons for why we pray. One of them is because what's recorded in scripture, right? We see these are the words of godly men and women and, and they're praying and we're speaking. But I would say there's other reasons too. One, uh, we're selfish, right? And we think it's all about us. And a lot of times we view God as a vending machine. If we just kind of crack the code or figure out the right things to say, we're going to get what we want, right? Like, K-9, boom, got my dog. Like, you know, just figuring out how to, how to say these right things, right? Also, that a lot of times when we're brought to, when we are thinking about prayer, it's because we need something, right? We're in trouble, A lot of times if we're brought to our knees, it's because things are not going well, and so we're explaining to God. And then if we're honest, listening's hard. It's harder for some than others, I get that. Um, But listening's hard. Silence can be awkward, right? That's a whole other discipline that we're not even going into as part of this series, is learning to be comfortable in silence, right? Being still and knowing that he is God, sitting in silence with God. And so there's, there's reasons why we, a lot of times, focus on talking. But today, I want to focus more specifically on the listening part and why that is important. And so for that, we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians 3. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Corinthians 3. We'll be kind of right around 1 Corinthians 3 and, and 2. Um, or you can watch along on the screens or you, you Version Bible app. But 1 Corinthians 3 says this, But I, brothers, cannot address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. And so in this, Paul is addressing the church in Corinth, right? And so he addresses them brothers. And so he kind of lays out this distinguishing, right? There's people, there's spiritual people, and there's people of the flesh, right? And it would be easy to be like, oh, well, he's talking about Christians and non-Christians, right? Check, boom, let's move on. But wrong. There's a couple indications that he's not. First off is he addresses them as brothers, and some of your translations may say brothers and sisters. And this is a term that New Testament authors would use to refer to brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he's addressing people who are Christian. We also see that he talks about that they are infants in Christ, right? Oh, they're baby Christians. Everybody loves a baby. Cute, precious little baby. I don't. (laughs) You will never see me volunteer to hold a baby in the nursery. And if you see me holding a baby in the nursery, someone come save that child. Okay, you can ask my wife, I was not ready to be a father, and still, that's just not my calling. I'm much more comfortable being around middle schoolers, which I know you think I'm weird, but that's just true. But babies are messy, right? And if you've ever studied the book of Corinthians, right, first and second, or studied the church in Corinth, they are messy people. And it led Paul to address them, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, right? Right? And so he's distinguishing that there's a difference between, even in Christians, right? That there's maturity, there's a difference. You can be a baby Christian, and here's, here's the truth, you can be going to church your entire life and still be a baby Christian, okay? You can be going to church your entire life and still be a spiritual infant. And so we're going to dive in and look at how we can actually, how Scripture tells us that we can mature in our faith And the first point is this, that prayer helps us by helping us mature in our faith. Prayer helps us by helping us mature in our faith. And so, I know it says, uh, Henry Noen says this about prayer. A spiritual life without prayer is like the gospel without Christ. A spiritual life without prayer is like the gospel without Christ. And so just as Jesus is central, is the crux of the gospel, without Jesus, there is no gospel. There is no good news. There is no Sunday morning church, right? Without Jesus, there is no way for you to be reconciled back to the Father. There is no way for you to be reconciled back to God. And hopefully we understand that as as believers. Hopefully we understand that. And what what Henry is saying is in the same way that Jesus is central without it, Without Jesus, there is no gospel. Without prayer, there is no spiritual development. There is no spiritual life. And so it's easy to simply go, uh, Kevin, hold up. In those verses that you read, it didn't mention prayer, right? And you're right. And so as we continue, and Paul actually expands on this idea of the flesh and the spirit in Romans 8. So if you flip to Romans 8 real quick, and we're going to expand on this idea. So those are harsh words, right? Paul really lays it out there. And again, he's talking about believers, those who set their mind on flesh. In other words for flesh, worldly desires, human desire, right? Paul later uses the term natural man, right? All of these ideas that things that we want that are focused of the world, the culture, if we're setting our mind on those things, Paul has some harsh words. They lead to death, A lot of times, you know, people come to me and they say, I feel very distant from God. I feel cold. I feel like he's not around. I can't hear from him, right? A lot of that has to do with setting our mind. Are we people of the flesh? Or on the contrary, Paul talks about being, setting our mind on the spirit. And the key phrase there is setting their mind, setting your mind. Where are you setting your mind? Are you focusing on the things of this world or are you focusing on the things of God? And so, Scripture is very clear that you cannot serve two masters. If you're setting your mind on your retirement account, if you're setting your mind on your reputation, if you're setting your mind on popularity, if you're setting your mind on happiness, if you're setting your mind on toys, or if you're setting your mind on climbing the corporate ladder, those are things of not of God. Those are living according to the flesh. Those are things that are hostile to God. Those are things that do not please God. And I'm going to step step on some toes. Parents, one of the biggest questions I get asked, parents, am I allowing my kids or am I hurting my kids by allowing them to play high-level sports or activities or travel teams? It's one of the most common questions I get asked. And what I would say to you is: Are you enabling them to set their mind on the things of this world, or are you enabling them to set their mind on the things of God? Henry Nouwen also has this quote about this, and it says: The discipline of prayer is the intentional, concentrated, and regular effort to create space for God. Everything and everyone around us wants to fill up every bit of space in our lives so to make us not only occupied people, but preoccupied people as well. When we permit the world to pack our minds with hearts and countless things to look at, listen to, read about, and countless people to visit, write to, talk to, worry about, how do we focus? How do we focus? And the answer is prayer. Prayer helps us to focus on God. So to answer your question, because Newsflash In the Western world, we live in busy life. So whether you're doing elite sports or whether you're just trying to pay bills or whatever it might be, we're busy people. We're busy people. And so the answer to the question to the parent of, am I hurting my child by allowing them to play sports? The answer is no, but in the same way, it's hard in that you need to have concentrated time where you are being intentional with helping them to see and set their mind on spiritual things. And the same goes for all of us. Because we can get caught up in this in our work day. We can get caught up in it, in our hobbies, in whatever it might be. Any of these things that we can fill our life with, if they're taking precedent over God, then we're setting our minds on worldly things. And that's what Paul is talking about in this. And so prayer helps us by focusing our mind on God. And so he continues this. We're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 2, and these are the verses that are right before Paul calls the Corinthian church people of the flesh. And so to kind of continue on in this thought, and Paul is developing, and he says this about the Spirit. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except for the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but in himself is to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? But we have the mind of Christ, and that is a term that Paul uses, it's the same idea, right, of setting our mind on God. And throughout this, he talks about the importance of the Spirit, and he talks about that the Spirit searches the mind of God. Why? Because he is God. In two weeks, Pastor Chase is going to talk about how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how the community works together, but we know that they are one. And just as your Spirit searches your mind and knows your mind, the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. And so that brings us to the third point. Prayer helps us to be in alignment with God because he knows the will of God, because he is God. And so it talks about in verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. And so when we spend time praying, and if you spend time listening, this is where the listening part comes in, of listening to God The Spirit is going to reveal things to you, things that the people of the flesh will not understand. The people of the flesh will find it folly because it is spiritually discerned. It is discerned and understood by spending time with God. The intimacy built by spending time with God. And that leads me to the fourth point, which is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, and it says this. If I could find it, I'm in Timothy, but it says this: Rejoice always. Pray without unceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God of Christ Jesus in you. Right? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. This idea, of pray without ceasing. And so if you go back, this idea of prayer, if prayer, if we're mostly just talking to God, if that's what prayer is, does God just want a bunch of Christians just sitting in their prayer closets just talking to him? No. Right? So we have to figure out how are we to be, in, to be praying, to be communicating with God throughout our day. And that's being led by the Holy Spirit. Prayer helps us to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is how we pray without ceasing. Right? Setting our mind on the things of God. And so Basil the Great had this to say about the apostles. And there, how they prayed without ceasing, and it says this: um, in everything they do, the apostles, they thought of God and lived in constant devotion to Him. This spiritual state was their unceasing prayer. In everything the apostles did, they thought of God and lived in constant devotion to Him. This was the spiritual state was their unceasing prayer, and so as. As Christians, as people, if we want to be of uh, as spiritual people as Paul talked about and not people of the flesh, then the way that we do that is through prayer. And oftentimes, this is something that we just cast aside, right? Oh, we just kind of pray before meals or or maybe we just pray before bedtime or whatever it might be and it becomes just kind of a ritual, a thing that we just do. But God wants so much more. That if you want to set your mind on the Spirit, the way to do that is being constantly in communication with Him. And what I would say and argue is that more often than not, it's through listening through the Spirit. And so, ways that I've done this, ways that I've uh, been able to help myself, and in full confession, you're not going to be perfect, right? Jesus was the author and perfecter of our faith, He did it perfectly. You will not. I don't, but ways that I've been able to help myself is the first thing I say is good morning, God, right? Helping myself train my mind that I'm going to set my mind on the things of God. Good morning, God. You want to guess what the last thing I say? Good night, God, right? And it's just a simple thing to trying to help me to focus, to being in prayer with God, in communication with God. And here's the thing, I, sometimes, right, I, I fall off, and I need to be reminded, I need to be brought back. And that's the same thing with all of us, right? It's a journey, and it's a process. And for some of you, maybe you're here thinking, I have never prayed before. And what I would say to you is, Nike, just do it. <laughs> just do it, right? It's like a discipline. It's like working out, right? You got to just start. And you're not gonna do it perfectly, you're not gonna do it wonderfully, you're not gonna be out there running an iron man the first week, right? But spend five time, five minutes, right? Be intentional. Be intentional, carving out time, finding whatever that works for you, and just start there. And maybe for others it's you know setting up other times throughout the day. Maybe it's spending 10, 20, 30 minutes of of time that you've just carved out where you're being intentional. For the parents, right, where you're going from activity to an activity to activity. Maybe you start something where before you get out of the car, you pray. Before you get out of the car, but for whatever activity you're going, you're gonna carve that out that before we leave this car, we're gonna pray to help set our minds not on worldly things, but on the things of God. One of the things that I loved um, I played football at Bethel University in Minnesota, and one of the things that was so different for when I got there was every Friday night, so our games were Saturday, every Friday practice, it was basically a run-through. We would go through, make sure everyone knew who was on, what team, special teams, all that, and then the rest of practice was spent praying and worshiping God in the end zone. And that was a constant effort, intentional effort by our coach to make sure that we knew that we were setting our mind on God and that we talked constantly about when we played football, we were worshiping God. We weren't doing it for our own, for, for seeking our own attention. We were doing it as a way of worshiping him. And so we would go out there praying and focusing and knowing. And that's a way, right, as silly as that seems, playing a sport, but to having a different attitude of instead of look at me, look at my stats, look at how great I am, look at giving me the attention of saying, we're going to go out there and we're going to represent God and we're going to do it to the best of our ability. And so in just a second, the worship band is going to come on out. And being a a youth pastor, right, I'm all about experiential learning. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to practice just praying. And so... Uh, people are going to come on out, hopefully, maybe. Um, but I'm going to close. And what's going to happen is uh, we're going to have three different people of the worship band read out of John 14. And they're just going to read the same verses, right? Three different people, and then you're going to be given 30 seconds in between each time to just to pray. And maybe something that that verse sticks out to you and you want to just pray And thank him for it, confess something to him. Maybe you just want to be silent and try to hear and discern the word of God. Right? And if you want to continue in studying of prayer, I would love to help you. We have resources at Connection Central um, for you to go and look at to see. We have right now media playlists set up for prayer if that's something that you want to study on your own time. If you're not even sure what right now media is, it's a way for you to do online Bible studies and watch videos of uh, amazing speakers and do Bible study for you. And so that's an opportunity. You can go to Connection Central and we can get you hooked up with that. And so I'm going to pray for us, close us in prayer, and then um, give you an opportunity to spend some time praying as part of our corporate worship. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for this This group of people and just an opportunity for us to come and understand how you love us and how you want to be in communication with us, Lord, that you are speaking to us and trying to get our attention. Lord, I pray for each one of us here that we can discern your voice, that we can hear your voice, learn it, that we can learn to amplify your words in our life, that we can be led by you, Lord, that we can grow deeper in our faith with you by spending time, by learning the truths that you have for us that we can only gain through spending time with you. And so, Lord, I pray blessing over this time and I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us as we enter into a time of prayer. Lord, I pray that as they uh, hear these words out of John 14, Lord, I pray that you will illuminate what you have for them to hear that they will hear something that they hits with where they're at, that you will speak into their life, that they will leave here knowing and hearing from you, knowing that you spoke to them today. Lord, you love us and we know that you love us and we thank you for that. But we also know that you are desperately trying to speak to us in a very loud and crowded world. And so Lord, I pray that we can leave here being more intentional, being more, have a concentrated effort to hearing from you and listening to you. May you guide our footsteps. May we walk in your spirit and may we live lives of unceasing praise and unceasing prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, but if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, if we're not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you also be. You know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through